World Series gets underway. Game one later on tonight, and I know Todd Bertuzzi is fired up for the Dodgers and the Rays, right, man? I'm definitely not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? Were you good at Halloween? Halloween costumes, Halloween parties are good at the NHL level. Were you good at Halloweening? I got to be honest with you, I was very terrible at it. Um, I'm not a Halloween dude. I don't know. Just never. It's not one thing that ever floated my boat. I like other stuff like St. Patty's Day stuff. For I don't know. It's more yeah, you don't have to, you don't like, have to work at it. I well, like you, Bert. I just I never wanted to dress up. No, I didn't See, get it. Then. And then to be honest with you, hey, listen. No one loves kids more than I. I love kids. I love them. I love them. But I don't love it. You know, my door gets knocked on 200 times when I'm on the couch trying to watch something, trying to relax. <laughs> and I got to get up and hand over chocolate candy to ruin their teeth. It just never floated my boat. I didn't uh, didn't enjoy it. Uh, and I really didn't partake much into it. I don't mean to be a bum, bum hug, but yeah. it but wasn't you, my but deal. You tell, but, but you tell, but you, you know, I love the way that, you know, anybody that says, I love I loved St. Patrick's Day, that's basically code for saying, I like getting drunk. No, no. I have a, I had neighbors in Kitchener that actually... <laughs> put on kid Halloween adult parties that they would have. You go to their house and you can get cocktails out there, sit up there for 15 minutes where their kids grab a couple of candies and my whole neighborhood would be buckled. So if anyone would love something like that, it would be me. I just didn't like the dressing up part and running around the streets. It just wasn't my gig. All right. Bah humbug. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. I, you know, James, I thought he would be in my corner for this one. I don't know, the, the grumpy side. I knew I knew he wouldn't be a Halloween guy. Not a grumpy side. <laughs> By the way, on a side note, Doc Emmerich, congratulations. Awesome. Legendary. It's actually going to be very, very hard not listening to uh, him call some of the most uh, iconic games and all that. And I just want to tip my hat, uh, my hat off to him. Classy guy. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to his uh, his broadcast. Hey, uh, something I wanted to get into, and Perry and I were kind of talking about this uh, the other day, uh, just off the air. But you know, over the last week, I think with a lot of the signings, it, it, it's kind of become a thing. It seems like on social media, where you know it's a big post, and hey, hey, Braden Holtby's going to wear number forty nine, and Nate Schmidt's going to wear number eighty eight, and Joe Thornton is going to wear ninety seven. We kind of got like just kicking around, like you know, numbers and and how numbers are arbitrarily chosen. Like, how did you become forty four? Yeah, I think I told the story a long time ago. I believe on on this a long time ago. I think we had a discussion uh, earlier on when I first started. It was uh, Young, uh, Gretzky, ninety nine, Lemieux sixty six, Eric Lindros eighty eight, uh, and then I just like. No one really had that number that stood out. I know that because as a young kid, I was around my French part of my family, so I knew that there was a player, Stéphane Richet, that wore it back when I think they won the Cup in 92 or whatever that I kind of remembered about. But I thought it was just one of those numbers. It would be kind of cool to be that lone guy to try to achieve something that those guys all did. I was young and dumb and... I thought it would be cool and thought that maybe at one point in time I could be like them. So what age are we talking about? Is this before junior even? Oh, yeah, this was before. I I, was, I, was, I lived and died hockey since I was four. 
I already, I always knew I was going to play and, and people thought that my dreams and my thoughts were kind of a stretch young kid from Sudbury, but I, I knew what I wanted and I knew the exact number that I wanted to wear. I can vision myself wearing that number and playing with that number. And I was fortunate to wear it for a long time in my career with a couple other numbers on the way because of players that were wearing it at the time and the amount of respect I had for other players. And I wasn't going to go grab their numbers when I was just coming in. It didn't make sense. So I, I took on the number four in Anaheim because uh, Robbie Niedemeyer had it and I had tons of respect for him. And then in Calgary, we're number seven because Rhett Warner was there wearing 44, and I didn't feel it was right to even ask or, or do that kind of stuff. I just had respect for guys who wore and that were with that organization longer than I was just coming in. So there was no money ever exchanged. Like, did, Do you remember stories like that within the room of guys like determined to get a certain number and, and offering everything, like a, you know, a, a car? Yeah, no, you know what? Something? No, nothing. No, I never came across any of that. I, obviously, I know a lot of the stories and all that, but I never came across any of that. I know that Gregory Campbell to this day still says that I owe him a Rolex for taking 44 from Florida. But I didn't even know he was on the team in War 44, to be honest. So he stood. I'm good friends with him. And he told me the day that he actually gave it to the trainer, said, hey, Bertuzzi's coming in. Give him the 44. I'll switch numbers. And uh, he keeps reminding me of that. But I keep telling him, I didn't even know that you had 44 there. Uh, has Tag ever worn 44? Uh, yeah, yeah, he wore it uh, in, like, minor hockey. He wore it all the way up and all that. And then. Uh, decided when he went to, uh, I think his last year of uh, midget, he wore 84, four plus four, eight. He has more fours in it than I do, which is three, four, sorry. So he just came up with that number 84 and I actually like it. And actually I wore it in Binghamton when I went, uh, at the end with Ottawa for PTO and I ended up wearing 84 there, which was, was kind of cool. 84. Todd Bertuzzi here on this uh, Tuesday morning on Sportsnet 650. What do you make of the uh, signing? You obviously have known Joe Thornton for a long time. Um, do you like the move that the Leafs made bringing in the veteran here to Toronto? I I, I do. Um, I love Joe. A class act. One of the funniest guys I've uh, crossed paths with. Uh, loves the game more than uh, a lot of people that uh, have come. Why is in... it a good move, though? Why do you, Why do you think it's a good move? Because I believe that dressing room needs that kind of influence. Joe doesn't hold back on what he feels and 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 what he has to say. And I believe that the Leafs are at that point now where they either got to get over the hump, or then mentally they're going to be so heckled and destroyed by media fans and all that, that their play is going to get even worse and worse if it doesn't get over the hump now. So I believe that they thought it was great to get a guy like Joe in there who wants and deserves a cup more than than anyone. And I know that uh, that is why he's continued to play, but he deserves a cup, man. He's, he's put in a lot of time into the league and uh, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. He deserves a chance to get the cup. Is that the team that could help him get to it? I don't know, man. you got a lot of freaking good teams in the East, man. Um, I think it's going to be very, very tough, but 
I listened to his interviews, a lot to do with family. His father's a diehard Leaf fan, and I think Joe still has enough left in the tank that he can go out there and, and make some good plays. But I think his biggest influence is going to be in the dressing room and on the bench and in situations that these kids need help to get over. Well, and Bert, that's the point. Uh, you know, add Joe Thornton, it's not costing you anything. But to me, it's more of an indictment that mentally the Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas feels they don't have it, you know, between the ears right now with what that team has on the ice. Thornton, Spessa, you know, they did it with Marlowe. Like those leaders, those guys who are making $10 million, obviously aren't where they need to be right now. I know, but that's isn't that saying something, though, too? Is that not pointing out that your $11, $10 million players don't have what, it? What, how, many years, how, how many years is it? Four, five, or six right now? It's, what what it is, is it's enough what, that they should have it. I know, but what's Matthews in? What's uh, Marner in? What's uh, Kapanen in? We're not Kapanen, sorry. The Nylander. Oh, Matthews, is right Ma- Matthews is 2016, right? So, so five top years overall pick. So, yeah, he's going into year five. Okay, well, that, 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 that's, that, that's, that's years, eh? That's years played. Like, you're not uh, you're not a greenhorn. You've played. So, I, I actually, when I saw that, I was like, ew. Are they trying to say that maybe that these kids don't? I, I don't know, man. It was like, but at the same time, I thought it was great for Joan. Maybe it's... Uh, exactly what those kids need but you would think that being paid 11 million dollars 12 million dollars 10 million dollars that you don't need someone to come in and babysit you to help get you over the hump you would think that you're there already right now and you already know that i enjoy watching that team and those players and i'm just speaking from aesthetics from afar i don't know anything that goes on or or anything i could be completely wrong but from aesthetically from my point of view i would be like these but these guys seem like they want him there. Maybe they did. I heard Matthews reached out. All these guys reached out to talk to him and all that. So, and Joe has uh, a knack for coming in and and having an opinion and staying by it and making guys accountable. Todd Bertuzzi here on Sportsnet 650. You know, we're we're eight days away I th- here locally with respect to Jake Vertanen and his arbitration case, or at least arbitration case that's scheduled for October 28th uh, between the Canucks and, and Jake. We've talked a lot about Vertanen, and you know, how do you, how do you get more out of from a situation like? Can you still believe in a guy at this stage when you've seen Bert? It's been six and a half years since they drafted him. Right, you know, you've got the size, and it's just that sort of show up one game, MIA for for five. Like, does maybe the market need to accept that? You know, Michael Furland talked about this. You played the power forward role. Is it sustain? Like Furland suggested, it's not sustainable to be able to be that guy every night for eighty-two games physically. But like, what is the expectation for Jake Vertanen? I will say that is it is very difficult to. Sustain that for 82 games um, every year going out. And mind you, I'm speaking from a little bit older version of power forwards going out, hitting, fighting, scoring, playmaking, playing against the top uh, deep pairings, playing against the top checking lines. Um, it's incredibly difficult. It's uh, mentally uh, exhausting, but it, it's physically exhausting. You wear down. Like I, I after 2004, 
my back couldn't take any more. Uh, and then obviously going up to Florida, I go out there and have two back surgeries because of the wear and tear, just the size, 6'3", 240, um, playing 20 to 24 minutes a game. It wears on you. So, But th- th- that's, that's my version of it. He doesn't play those kind of minutes. It's not as physical as it used to be. So what is it? Has he not figured out his role yet? And then we talked about it, and I talked about it with you too. It's just so hard not to root for him and want him to be successful because you see those games where he stands out and he can dominate. That's the frustrating part. And the hardest part uh, to be an NHLer for a long period of time is, is consistency. It's very difficult to, A, get into the league, B, to stay in the league and contribute and play a lot and play a, like a lot of years. It's very hard to be that, to find that consistency because there's so many great players around the world and all that. Sometimes you can get in your own way. Sometimes maybe a change of scenery is great, but it's like I told you too, it's hard to think of moving on from Jake when you've seen those those games where he's just dominated physically and with that shot and his speed at that size man it's but you're you, you are you, you are correct when you said you're going on year seven at some point in time it's got to click in that this is what you're going to be or you're going to end up being a journeyman you're going to go around from team to team and uh, miners up and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I would kind of, I love the bright lights and I love the, uh, the riches and the fame that come with playing in the NHL. I would never want to jeopardize that, especially when you have it right now. So I would reach out to anyone and everyone. I do everything through the sun in order to make sure that I'm ready and I can get myself over that point. But at some point in time, maybe a player just can't, get to that point or to the expectation that everyone feels that he should be at. Maybe it's just not in there. But uh, like I said, he'd be a tough one to pass on. I just see too many positives and and good things and projections for him not to. But at the same time, you are saying it right. He's going into his seventh and something's got to turn. Let me ask you this, because I I think we're all in agreement with Jake Vertanen. I think most of us thought he may have played his last game in a Canucks uniform after the postseason. Jim Benning didn't have a problem saying that he expected more, and you thought, well, they've given him so many chances. Did you use in your time sports psychologists? Because if Jake Vertanen's coming back here, I mean, he's kind of hurt and had everything thrown at him, and you have to go, man, he's going to have to be really strong mentally. Did you use it? Does your son use it? How effective do you think it is to have sports psychologists around? I did use it. And I had uh, my best playing days when I did use it. And uh, and it, a lot of it was coming over from a very difficult Islander team with a, uh, with a coach GM who was very difficult to play under as far as mental and uh I needed I needed the fresh start which I got in Vancouver and I knew Mike Keenan was was here and and Mike was one of the true reasons why I achieved what I did in Vancouver 
because of how he helped me out and also because of the help I got out off the ice. Um, Vancouver's not the easiest place to play at some point in time. Like at, at times, it is the greatest place to play when things are rolling and good and all that. But it's always helpful to be able to have someone to talk to that's not in the game that you can speak to to kind of figure out where your head's at, how to achieve the best you can possibly achieve, and how to have a clear mind when you're going to things and not let negativity and, and situations uh, take you down. So, yeah, it was – I think I did it for six years, and then after I got traded away – uh, I didn't use it anymore because of everything else that was going on in my life and all that. So I kind of got away with it. And then, like I told you guys, I found a, a place with Detroit for five, six years and kind of found my role, a lesser role. So it wasn't something that I needed to be the man on campus anymore. So I didn't feel like I needed as much. I was just in survival mode and trying to contribute 40 points and just trying to win a cup. And those are my only goals at the point in time was just playing as well as I can play. But when you're trying to be on top and you are on top, there's a lot more pressure that comes with it. So it was very beneficial for me at that point in time in my career. Todd Bertuzzi here on Sportsnet 650. You got a copy of Berkey's book yet? No, but uh, I've, I've, I've always spoken to Berkey. Uh, I talk to him quite often. Actually, we're in a group chat together and, I talk to him frequently, and I do know that his book came out. I have not read it. I have a copy coming. So I'll be able to uh, kind of read I'm actually heading out to Arizona tomorrow. I'm taking my son and one of his buddies to Arizona to go uh, climb in the mountains and bike in the mountains just to change things up because they've been training for six months, and the OHL still hasn't have uh, – a date or anything when these kids are going to come back and all these kids want to do is come back and play. And with the Quebec league going on and all that, I thought we needed a little getaway just to go clear his mind and go train up the mountains. So I'm hoping that that book gets here today and I'll be able to read it on that flight. He kind of took uh, aim at some media guys, uh, you know, uh, Steve Simmons, Tony Gallagher from his time here in Vancouver. Damian Cox. They're the same guys on my list too. They're just absolute. I'm not. Who was the one? The second one you just said? Uh, Tony Gallagher, who, who was. A long I wouldn't time say that. I, w- I won't say that about Tony because Tony was uh, big time in my corner, and Tony treated me very well. So my beef isn't the same beef with Berkey with with Tony, but the other two, Cox and Simmons, they're just two donkeys who don't know much about anything, and uh, spit off nothing but venom. Uh, so I don't consider them sports writers or anything or whatever. So I know that he went after them. When those guys, obviously you have a, a hard opinion on them. When those guys would write stuff about you, would they reach out to you or would it just be all their opinions? No, no, they're complete cowards. They just write opinions without ever confronting me or, or looking me in the eye whenever I showed up. And, and they, were, they were huge supporters of the Moore family. And they do everything possible to come after me and attack me and my family and, and my name and all that. And they continue to still do it. Uh, but you know what? The old saying, you live in glass houses. They'll come back at you. Um, Vancouver, you know what? In, high, in, in looking at it now, they were great. They really were. I was just at the point annoyed with 
with having to answer the same questions. I was not prepared for what I needed to do. So there was a lot of really good guys. Like Elliot Papp, I enjoyed. You two, I thoroughly enjoyed. I always got along with you guys. I was more playful with you guys. And then as I went on in my career, uh, I got to have a little bit more of a relationship with the media. And then in Detroit, I had a really good one with all of them, Helen St. James and the rest of the crew. They were awesome and all that. And now working in the media, you have a little different perspective on uh, on things for sure. Do you think you were too hard at times on, on, on the media? Or do you think you just, you, you know, it was just no, I was too, I, no, I was I was No, no, I was too hard. I told you, Seaball, you guys. I said, you know what? Sorry if I was a douche, man. Like, <laughs> uh, you, well, I, no, it's true though. Like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't very cooperative at times because I wasn't ready for that stuff. I didn't want to speak every day. I was paid to go play hockey and entertain fans, not to have stuff written in a paper. I could care less what was written in the paper, or the stories that you guys needed. I just wanted to go play hockey and entertain fans. That's all I wanted to do. And then getting older and understanding that a lot more comes with that, and I'm sure things would have been uh, less abrasive after 2004. But at the same time, you know, what's done is done. And we all learn if people want to hate me or have an opinion of me because of that. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. I live a pretty happy life. And actually not a pretty, I live an awesome life and got great kids and, and good people around me. And that's when I was a kid and I was in a situation and I don't think, the only one, like, you know what, you know who really spoke well and handled the situation was Brendan Morrison. I know Nazi got frustrated at times. Nazi always was always in front of the uh, camera and all that. But at the same time, Nazi would get overwhelmed and frustrated too. He just didn't let his emotions get the best of him like uh, they would to me. That's why yeah. he was captain. He reduced, he he reduced his media. And yeah. handle it. But he, yeah. but, but he was, he, he, he would get heated. He had enough enough at some point in times and and he'd say things. He just handled it a lot more mature than I did. And case in point, that's why he was a captain. You need a captain to have composure and be able to speak to the media correctly and handle all aspects of it. And that's why he did a great job, and that's why he should have been the captain. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of hockey players is you're accessible all the time, but maybe sometimes it's too much, right? You got to have an issue if all I of do, a sudden. I, it, it, Sorry, Perry. I, I, no, just because you said it right. It, it, it is true, though, man. Like, at some point in time, it's not like, like, you don't know if I'm having a bad day. You don't know if something's going on personally. You don't know if something's going on with my kids, my wife, or my, my anything and all that. And and we're going through a couple losses, and all of a sudden the questions get more and more irritating when all I just want to do is go home. And But at the same time, we're paid to be put in those situations now I can see that then I didn't, and I didn't understand it fully. But at the same time, I wouldn't change anything, man. I I am who I am, and and uh, I'm not. And it is what it is. Who I and I, yeah, it is who it is, and I'm proud of who I become. So. And Stefan Riche says thank you for uh, keeping his legacy intact with 44 all those I years. Thought of Stefan Riche for a long time. <laughs> Chris oh, that's like so that fitting. It's so <laughs> fitting. It's so fitting that Riche, who never liked playing defense, inspired you to wear 44. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Happy Halloween. Have in, All right. Have fun in Arizona, bud. See ya. Okay, guys. You guys be safe. I'll talk to you next Tuesday.